Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're in Malachi chapter 3, and this is a passage of scripture that actually in the Hebrew is formed up of, well, verses 1 to 4 is one paragraph, and 5 and 6 is another, verse 7 is its own paragraph. And usually, whenever you have scriptures written in those blocks of paragraphs, there's usually a main thought in each paragraph as you go through. It's particularly true of this chapter of Malachi. Remember, this is the last letter of the Old Testament. This is going to be the last prophetic words before Jesus will come to the earth. But it's over 450 years before Jesus comes when he prophesies. And so some of the things he prophesies are very specific. Helps my faith. Jesus would always point out these things, that these happen according to the scripture. In Matthew, he says, all this happened, and when he would tell the story about Jesus, just according to the scripture, as the scripture prophesied, so this happened in order that it would be fulfilled. And so that fulfillment of scripture, that promise that God made and God kept, is really important. Now, in Ezekiel, the great prophet Ezekiel, he says, God declared, I will tell you what will happen before it happens. So that when it happens, you get to know one thing, that I am the Lord. I am God. God says, I can tell you down to the infinitesimal little detail exactly how it's going to happen. Just so you know, this isn't like some made up hoo-ha, pipe dream kind of thing, faith that we have. We're talking about a living God who knows everything. And so the Lord doesn't mind showing us details specifically and telling us promises of what he's going to do because he already sees the whole thing. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has the whole thing of what we consider time in its entirety. God already sees all done. We live in the present. So we only can refer back to what we have of a very short amount of past in our relation and forward to well, we can't even see our future. We don't know what's coming. So for us, it's a mystery, but not to the Lord. Let me show you chapter 3 of Malachi, verse 1. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. And he will sit as a smelter, a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. And then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. Now, God told them, I'm not pleased with you guys. But Malachi says, God promises a messenger that will come and this messenger will prepare the way of the one, and we know which one he's talking about, the Messiah. He's going to come and he's going to prepare his way as he says, here comes the Messiah. Now remember John the Baptist, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So here he says, behold, I'm going to send my messenger. This is the first promise of Malachi 3 that 
when we turn in the New Testament, we open up the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, we see this very verse quoted. But does anyone know who quoted this verse? Well, Luke does the best job. I like Luke's recounting of it because Luke says, I made a thorough investigation of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Luke was a physician. You know how those doctors' minds are. They're always into the details and got to know all the stuff. And when you read the Gospel of Luke, you notice that all of the miracles of healings, the man with the withered hand that had never stretched forth his hand, Luke writes out all the particulars about the healing. If you're playing Bible trivia and it's something to do with a healing and it's real specific, all the details, just guess Luke. You're probably going to get like 90% chance you're right. Because Luke always wrote the details about the healings. The other guys, they said, oh, and the guy got healed. Oh, the blind guy, he got his sight. And only John does that one time in chapter 9 about the blind man. But not like Luke. Luke always gives all the details when it comes to the healings. Well, in Luke's gospel, Luke also tells us about this verse in Malachi. In the beginning of the gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 1, when Zacharias, when he was an old man, remember he was married to Elizabeth, and they couldn't have children. She was barren. And Zacharias went and he made his offering in the temple. He got drawn by Lot. He was one of the priests. And it was his turn to go in and give the offering before the Lord. And so he got to do it. And he went in there. And an angel of the Lord met him. Gabriel told him, hey, the Lord hears your prayer. Your wife's going to have a child. And Elizabeth, who's barren, she's going to be with child. By this time next year, you're going to have a boy. And you're going to name him John. This is the parents of John the Baptist. But he says, how can this be? I'm an old guy. She's old. And the angel who is speaking with him, Gabriel means the messenger who speaks for the Lord. That's what his job is. Zachariah says, how do I know this is going to be true? He says, look, I'm the messenger who speaks for God. If I'm telling you this is from God's mouth, you know, I'm the one bringing you the message. God said this. I'm just telling you I'm the messenger. And you don't believe me, and I'm the one who speaks for God. Well, then, fine, buddy. You're not going to speak, he says. And so he comes out of the temple, and he's like, and they're like, uh, I think maybe he saw a vision. And he goes back home, and I don't know how he told his wife the story, because he can't talk. And he's sitting there, maybe she finally said, wow, the strong, silent type. And I like him now. And a year later, she's with child. And when it comes time for him to be born, they said, well, let's name him Zacharias after the dad. And the father's motion, no, and brought him a tablet. The angel told him the name that he was to name this boy. This boy's name was to be John. And the angel told him he is the one that would go before the Messiah, crying, make ready the way of the Lord, like in Isaiah 40. Clear the way, prepare you the way of the Lord. Here comes the Lord. He's the announcer, the forerunner to the Messiah. He's coming. So he writes, his name is John. And as soon as he writes that down, all of a sudden he could speak. Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to read you the part where Malachi's verse gets quoted in the New Testament. He says, and Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, he said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old. Salvation from our enemies 
and from the hand of all who hate us. He's quoting Psalm 106 there, verse 10. To show mercy towards our fathers and remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemy, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. This is where Zacharias is. I mean, he's a priest, but he's quoting Malachi from the Old Testament about his own son. You, boy, he's talking to his son, John, you're going to be the one who's going to prepare the way of the Lord and give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of his tender mercy, the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isaiah 9, he's going to guide our way into the way of peace. What a beautiful thing. This young boy is going to grow up. He'll become John the Baptist. They'll say, here comes the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. There's the Lord. That's in the, the beginning of the gospel of Luke chapter 1 that this is quoted for us. And in Matthew's gospel in chapter 11, Matthew also tells us a tribute that Jesus spoke about John. Now, if anyone knew about John the Baptist, who he really truly was, it was Jesus. And Jesus says that these men were going away and they were speaking, Jesus says, to the crowds about John. He said, what did you guys go out to the wilderness to see? You know, John wasn't a fancy speaker. He wasn't with big, fancy, dressed up, spiffy and everything. It says he wore a leather belt around his waist and a camel's hair garment. And his diet was locust and wild honey. You look at him today and say, that guy's like a hippie granola kind of guy. This is the guy God chose. And Jesus said, wait, what did you guys go out in the wilderness to see some fancy speaker or something? Did you go out to see a reed that was shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? You saw a man dressed in soft clothing, wearing soft clothing like in the king's palaces. Was he wearing the really goods? No. He said, but what did you go out to see? He said, a prophet. Jesus says, yes. I tell you one that is even more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. This is Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, amongst those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. This is a pretty high honor. Wouldn't you like Jesus to say this about you? And then listen to the next words. Yet, yet Jesus says, anyone who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And violent men take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to receive it, if you can accept this, John himself is Elijah who was to come. He who has the ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. They asked John, you remember this in the other gospel in Matthew. They said, are you the coming Messiah? And he goes, no. Are you Elijah? No. Who are you that you're baptizing? I'm nobody, he says. I just baptize you with water for repentance to get you ready for the one who's coming. I'm just getting you washed up for the coming Messiah. Prepare your heart. Get ready for the coming of the Lord. And he says he wasn't even Elijah. 
Funny though, Jesus says he was. So who's right? I know that Jesus is right. Sometimes Jesus knows stuff about us we don't even understand. We don't even understand the things God may be using us to do. We, we just say, oh, I'm a nobody. I'm nothing. And God goes, that's fine. I'll use you. But this fellow that we're looking at right here is the fulfillment of all the way back 450 years before Jesus came to the earth. Malachi said, by the Spirit of God. God was just showing off. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to send this messenger who will come first before the Messiah. And after him, this part I love. I get really excited about Malachi chapter 3 because after you get the messenger saying, get ready, who is he pointing to? The Lord. And what's the Lord going to do? Now, Malachi says some things that the Lord will do that if you're walking with the Lord, you're like, all right, this is going to be great. If you're not walking with the Lord, you're like, uh-oh, this is not going to be great. Because if you're not walking with the Lord, you're going to be on the bad side of what's going to come down. But if you are walking with the Lord, you don't have to worry. You just kind of sit back and watch, go get him, God. Because this is what the Messiah is promised to do. Listen to this. Back to Malachi chapter 3. And he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek, the Lord will come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now, what a beautiful word. These people were 450 years before Jesus came, and God wanted them to know, the Lord is coming. He is coming. But see, John the Baptist said, here he comes. Prepare the way of the Lord. Here comes the Lord. He's come. Get ready. Here he comes. And Malachi says, when you see that messenger saying that message, what should you do? You better perk up, boy. The, here comes the Lord. And what's the Lord going to do? It says he's going to go to his temple. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. People think soap is a new thing. Soap is not new. Fuller's soap is the soap of the day back then. We would say equivalent to soap combined with bleach. It's a bleachy soap. How many of you guys know what Fels Nafta is? This like brown bar of soap like this, and it was kind of rough, and you rub it, and kind of almost had a chemically smell to it. I mean, it worked real good, but it was a little bit harsh. That's a type of fuller soap, okay? That is actually a type of fuller soap, but picture more bleach mixed in, okay? Because when you had that wool, you had to bleach it. You had to take away some of those oils and that stench. And to get rid of the smell of the wool, you had to really hit it hard with the, what they call fuller soap. Let it soak. And so they, what they do is they will put it out in the field and let it soak. And, of course, you know, it's in the field, the air. Trust me, you need the air for circulation. It's like kind of airing out dirty laundry. Only you're airing out the wool of the sheep. This is before you ever brush it down and pull it and clean it and spin it into yarn, whatever, to make it into. you got to clean the stuff first. This has been hanging out on the underside of an animal but on its backside, and it's been being drugged around in the dirt for its whole life. They didn't take showers for those little sheep back then. So this is a kind of stinky job. Now here, the Lord says, I'm going to come. The Lord is talking of the Lord is going to come and he will appear when he appears. He will appear like a refining fire and like a fuller with his fuller soap. It'd be like the one that takes that smelly nastiness and gets rid of it. 
makes the wool clean. What does Isaiah say? Though our sin be as scarlet, he makes it white as snow. Isaiah 1, I make your sin, though it be as dark as scarlet, he says, I'll make it white as snow. That's what the Messiah will do. The Messiah washes us clean. He refines us. He purifies us. He says in verse 3, he will sit as a smelter that purifies the silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that he might present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. He says God is going to refine us just like a refiner sits there with the pot and he turns the heat up and it boils up the dirt and the dross to the top and it makes that little black layer on the molten metal. Then he takes this little tool and he scrapes it off carefully. You don't want to take away the gold, but you want to get the dirt off the gold. He scrapes it off and bangs it off to the side. You know, that black stuff goes all on the ground. And then he turns the fire up a little more so the finer particles come up. And he keeps repeating the process till he refines that metal down to pure. We can only get to 99.9% .9 pure. God can get to 100% pure. In fact, he uses 100% pure gold for streets. And in the Bible, it says in the new heaven, new earth, on the streets, what does God use for pavement? Pure gold. So pure, light passed through it, but we just can't get it that pure because we have little impurities left behind. But the Lord says, I'll refine it to pure that I can present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. So the Lord here is saying, I'm going to purify Levi. The one that was just in the last chapter had all the problems. God says, I'm going to start with them. The spiritual leaders, I will purify Levi and make them pure. Now, if you get the spiritual leaders on the right track, doesn't that have a wonderful trickle-down effect to the rest of us? If the leaders are doing right in the Lord, then it makes it so much easier for the people. So the Lord says, I'll start with them. Now, did they like Jesus when you read that part in the New Testament, when he kicked them out? How much did the Levites like him after this? Oh, they loved him, right? It says from that moment on, they plotted to kill him. They're like, ooh, we don't like this. But he was coming in fulfillment right here. He was coming so that he could refine the Levites. And then the offering of Judah and of Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as it is from the days of old, as it was in the former years. He wanted to purify those leaders and get their act together so that the people could come and give an offering that's pleasant to the Lord, like they used to do. But see, the leadership had gone corrupt. There's like a 450-year period of spiritual silence from God. No other prophets rise up and speak all the way until John the Baptist shows up. 450 years, guys, that's a silent treatment for a long time. The Lord's going, look, I told you. He's called our Heavenly Father. As earthly parents, sometimes we tell our kids to do something. And they don't do what we tell them. And then they want to talk about something else and something else. And you already told them to do something. Have you ever had to just, when they start talking about other stuff, just give them the silent treatment because they still haven't done what you told them to do? I know that I've had to employ this tactic where you have to actually say, we're not talking about that right now. Well, why not? You haven't taken care of what I told you. They want to skip past it, go around it, sidetrack, you know, zig, zig, zig. No. You know, as a parent, sometimes we got to go, nope, not talking about nothing else till we get done what I told you. Get back to what I told you. Now, what they are going to offer, they don't even realize it. Because what do the very Levites do? They killed Jesus on Good Friday. 
They gave an offering, all right. They took the lamb of God and they slayed him. Who was the guy saying, let his blood be on us and on our children? It was the Levites. It was the very priests that I'm telling you about. They will later become the ones that will say, kill him, kill him, when it comes to the Messiah. They don't even realize they're about to give the offering required by God. I heard an interesting study on the, the Christian Satellite Network. The speaker was David McGee, and he was speaking about how sometimes Satan thinks he's going to win. And he thinks he's got the battle going his way. And God sees the big picture. Sometimes God even makes it look like we're defeated. And the enemy plays right into God's hands. But the enemy thinks he's winning. And he used the example. You remember in the Old Testament when there was the battle and Joshua says, we're going to go up to the city. They're going to flee away like, oh, no, they're coming to get us and going to beat us again. What he did is he took a third of his troops and had them go around the backside and hide. So when they come out of the city to chase us, then we'll flee like, oh, no, they're winning. We're running. We're retreating. And when they come out to chase us out of their city, you guys come out of the bushes from behind and take the city and put it on fire. And then when they turn around and see their city on fire, then they'll be trapped between your troops on this side, our troops here, and us, and we'll turn and we'll get them. The enemy thought he was winning. And it's interesting, David McGee saying, this is how the Lord sometimes works things. We think, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. Let's watch this. Just like the devil thought he was winning when he put Jesus on the cross. Oh, I'm going to win. Played right into God's plan. He just didn't factor in that resurrection thing three days later. The devil thought he won. Listen, I hung out with Satanists before I was a Christian. Do you know they teach the death of Jesus on the cross in the Satanic Bible? In the Satanic cult, they teach that Satan won at the cross. Satan got Jesus to the cross. Now, they leave out an important part of what you have in your Holy Bible in front of you. The three days later thing. Christ rises from the dead and wrecks the whole plan that Satan had. But they don't teach that in the Satanic Bible. They do not teach that Jesus rose. They teach Satan won and killed Jesus. And they will try to deceive and tell you that Jesus is still dead. I'm here to tell you Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
Oh, God.